listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. That is better, way better than the movie it came from. Oh, <laughs> I hardly disagree with you, sir. Beyond I mean, Thunderdome. Oh, you like Beyond Thunderdome? I really did. Yes, I, I did. All right, I'm not doing this podcast then. I'm out. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Fuck you it's very cool. Much. Before we get into that <laughs> argument, let's, 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 you know, we're warmed up now. Let's call them our tits and. Yeah, what, what. We've been massaged. We're in the mood now. Yeah, what, what have we seen lately, guys? Hmm, what have we seen? That is a good question. Uh, well, I'll start. Yes, uh, I saw Woman in Gold. <gasps> How was it? Uh, it was good. Who was it? Uh, who was the yes. Woman in Gold? The who? painting? Or who were the people? Who were the players? Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Helen, Helen Mirren, um, Tatiana Maslany from <gasps> Orphan Black. Ooh, yep. Orphan Black. Yep. Um, it was, uh, it was a solid Holmes movie. Too, right? Yeah, Katie Holmes is in it. Mm. Uh, but barely. Oh, good. Um... Yeah, it was a it was a good movie uh, about a woman trying to get a painting back that was stolen from her by the Nazis. Drama. <gasps> uh, yeah, it was definitely a drama, uplifting, emotional, because nice. obviously World War Two, Holocaust. Kind of makes me feel like Philomena a little bit, but with like was Helen that like Mary a big deal or something? <laughs> Might have been <laughs> the, the Holocaust. Yeah, it was a you thing didn't that happened. I just what rolled a... my eyes at Sean. Is that kind of like a hologram? Did they have like X Men cards that were all Holocausty, <laughs> where like you it! could look at them from different angles? Akbar. Anyway, so I feel like it was um, very well acted. Okay. okay. Um, definitely don't need to see it in the theaters. Wait till Netflix. Yeah, it seems like a Netflix. Mm. Kind yeah, of yeah, but it's um, you know, it was a good Sunday afternoon. Treat myself to a matinee type thing. Cool. So nice. Yeah. Um. Good. Me and Dave went and saw... Dave and I. Dave and I. <laughs> Camera police. Woo, woo. The hooker and I. <laughs> yes, had a lovely you, evening together. Because you wouldn't say me had a lovely evening. <laughs> <laughs> me had a lovely Unless evening. you were a child in Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the talkies and the listens. <laughs> uh, Dave and I saw... 
true story. True story? Uh, true story, yeah. True story about that? true story. Uh, it's, so, for those who don't know, it's uh, it's starring Jonah Hill and James Franco, and it is a complete drama. Huh. Uh, it is the true story uh, about a New York Times journalist, a disgraced New York Times journalist, who um, decides to write about uh, this guy who murdered his family, Damn. basically. Or was accused of murdering his family. Um, there are some problems with the movie, for sure. Um, but the movie, to me, was really about, like... It was um, narcissism. Mm-hmm. In who? James Franco? Or... They're both. They're... Was it, you said James Franco and Jonah Hill? Yes. And wow. In a way, both the characters are narcissists. Uh-huh. Just happens to be that, that James Franco's character is narcissistic to a psychotic Oh, point, on the point. psychotic spectrum. A, yeah. But, wow. Yeah. So, um, Damn. But they both make morally questionable choices. Uh, not, not morally questionable, but I mean... So what? did Robert Frank- Durst on the Jinx. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so Brian, Brian, um, James Franco plays the journalist who got busted for like fabricating a bunch of shit. It, and this is he, the story that he's trying to write in the movie is the, like he tried to he's trying to redeem himself, right? Correct. Yeah, wow. and he didn't. According to at least the script of the story, um, he didn't fabricate the entire story. What he did is he he oversimplified it. He put it all the occurrences of what was happening to several kids in Africa. Uh, on to one person mm. uh, to make the story feel more, um, his plight feel more real and the to get the audience to care. The things that movie makers do all the time. Yeah, like exactly. the Patriot. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing right. about doing but, that. Yeah. But the trouble is one's a film, one's a screenplay and one's journalism. Yeah, yeah sure. Right? So um, he gets mm. fired from the New York Times and disgraced from the New York Times and he actually doesn't write for several months. At any no, no place would publish his work because of what happened and then he finally gets the idea to uh, to do a book and he gets an advance and he, he kind of bounces back from there but um, very well very well made movie I would say as far as from a technical point of view writing had some some troubles who wrote it? So, uh, I don't have the, the, the James Franco and Jonah Hill weren't involved in the writing no they? no that's the other thing this is them just being actors really? and just being serious and the funny thing is mm. they've both done serious films yeah. they've never done serious films really together no because they're known as goofballs together right so it was very that I thought was very interesting huh. uh, one of the critiques of the movie though I mean I don't know if I necessarily agree with it is that Jonah Hill does, does a great job but there are points where you don't believe mm. what he's doing he lets the Jonah Hill side of them just come out a little uh... too much um, I can kind of see that um, James Franco you know, can be very hit or miss as an actor. Would you argue he, that James Franco is more of a character actor than Jonah Hill is? Um, I mean, in the sense of character actor versus leading man. Yeah. In that the leading man just kind of makes small adjustments and plays the same person over and over again. Yeah. Yes, I would make that argument. But I also think that James Franco can be extremely hit or miss. Oh. Sometimes he can really True. phone it in. And sometimes he can do a movie like 128 hours and just... Do something really like uh, 127 hours. <laughs> sorry, oh, Alan! no, no, it is, sorry, Alan. I mix it up because Danny Boyle did 28 days later, and yeah, that's it happens why. to the best of it's us. Not an excuse at all, ever. <laughs> you know, Brian, I th- I appreciate your review because I haven't really heard of a chance that actors like them get to do in in a project like that. So I think yeah. it's a bold choice for both of them. Totally. And Felicity Jones, by the way, is really uh, oh my god, Felicity plays, Jones in this. She plays Jonah's wife. Yeah. Nice. Um, She's great. She's. I mean, she doesn't do bad work. I don't think. Yeah. I think after seeing Theory of Everything, we now know that like she's. She's got credibility. Yeah, she's a great actress, and uh, we'll rarely ever do a phoned-in performance. So, um, that's kind of what I saw. Nice. Um, Sean, I'm just curious. I got one more I saw, but we'll save that for a minute. Sean, what did you see? 
Uh, I am still just trying my best to power through the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. <gasps> oh my god. So that show is so shit. fucking funny. The dialogue is just so like quick. They're <laughs> yep. throwing jokes at you so fast, but not so fast you're not getting them. Mm-hmm. And uh Titus Andromedon is my new favorite. <laughs> He's amazing. Ever. We we're expecting an impression of him by next episode. I don't know if I can do it. That's yes, the true test can. of your voice acting capability, Sean. You can do black characters. I don't can you work do gay well black with characters? the males. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be one. Don't work with I the males because I used to be yeah. one. <laughs> well, speaking of shows, um, I'm definitely keeping up with Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. GOT. And, and, and Outlander. Yeah. Sarah. Oh, yeah. You feel oh, yeah. pulsating? Do you, Outlander. Know, do you feel them? Outlander, uh, we have your woman, Outlander. Are we no. talking about the same thing? No. no. <laughs> We're talking about some scots. We're uh, talking oh, about girl porn. Some, mm-hmm, some girl porn. It's so good. Yeah. And you know Dinkle. what, though? Even though it's, yeah, okay, so it's kind of girl porn, but... <laughs> the best kind. Although, why do we have to differentiate between girl porn and regular porn? No. Oh, real it's just, yeah, yeah, I mean, let's just put uh-huh. it this way. Outlander makes the girl nerds uh, go a little off kilter, if you know well, what I'm saying. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> because here's why. It's not just hot Scotsman. It's hot Scotsman and fucking time travel. Yes. Yes. Like, that's awesome. So, so Highlander. It's, no. it's like Braveheart it's meets Outlander. Somewhere in Time starring Christopher because Reeve. In the, oh, somewhere because in time. she is the time traveler. Okay. I'm just And nobody's immortal. God. Remember, remember, remember? <laughs> Diana Gobbledong. Yeah, Diana Gobbledong. <laughs> <laughs> Best joke ever. Um, so season, second half of season one is so far it's, so awesome. Yeah, oh my God. And I'm way steamier. Oh, yes, it way, is. They, pick, they picked it up a notch. You know what I love? My days are consumed. Totally agree with you. My, my weekends no are pretty much consumed <laughs> with Saturday nights are Outlander and Sunday nights are Game of Thrones. Yep, there you go. And Game of Thrones has turned into a dark corner. I mean, how has it not been dark this entire time? Yeah, it's been pretty dark. But this one, I mean, the kids are all well, grown. Well, you're seeing, you know. like, for the people who we've very highly respected and yeah. people who are in these who've earned these positions of power now are starting to crumble a oh, little bit. Yes, they are. And then you have people who are trying to redeem themselves, and then we're getting like you just we're getting so close now with I, I can't talk yeah. about much, but yeah, we're there's like. It's a lot. Stark children are somewhat getting closer, or people who are heavily influenced by the Starks are getting closer together, and you're just like waiting for something to happen. I want to see who takes it. I'm really feeling like Daenerys is getting closer and closer, and yet, and yet, I really feel like Arya Stark um is turning a corner you got so you got her you, somewhere oh, i haven't read i haven't read the book no no but i'm saying you need to read the fan theories on the internet really oh my god yeah because there's one fan theory out there that um george R. R. martin has he says that of all the theories there is one that is correct that <gasps> actually nailed it oh shit shit really yes oh, shit and i'm pretty sure i know which one it is okay okay wait wait let me ask you though bran is not going to be featured in this season no, they're going to give him a break when he comes back in season six god knows he's gonna how be like he's going to come back and what he's going to look who ho, well, what's hodor going to look like when I he know, comes right? back to hodor. exactly um remix <laughs> hodor like oh by the way DJ shout something? out to fucking war uh to the warp zone did you guys see the epic rap battle between groot Yes. Oh. oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
<laughs> I mean, it got on the Nerdist. Yes, uh, that's amazing. That's, yeah. yeah, so good job, Quality. Mike and friends. I'm excited to see how season five gets crazy because yeah. I can feel it in my bones. I'll, I'll, have to t- I'll have to tell you later if you, you want, to. because it could potentially spoil the whole show. Oh, I really like It could the spoil the whole so damn thing. Maybe part one of the theory? I can't give you part one. Damn it! I can't I just give you part one. Well, you know what, guys? You know what I also saw recently? What'd you do? What? Me and my lady friend. Uh, oh, shit! Well, Ryan, get some pussy! Oh, Ryan, oh, get some pussy! Oh, what? You know, this could just be a friend that's a lady. It happens to have a vagina. Yeah. Ryan, Congratulations. get some friendship! Ryan, get some friendship! <laughs> a friendship with a little bit of a handy, maybe. maybe. A little handy. Friendship equals I age, Jay. Friendship comment. equals age, Jay. <laughs> I declined to comment. Um, no, anal then. The suspense is killing <laughs> Wow. My butt is puckering just thinking about it. This is like a Jesus new thing. Jesus doesn't watch very, very new. door number two, I'm surprised Brian. you're already using the term lady friend. Like, that's, that's a little presumptuous. Well, uh-huh. wh- <laughs> oh, this is the P word. I, I feel confident in okay. that statement. Okay, okay It's not girlfriend. Right. It's lady friend. It's, sure. So, it's... He's anyway. a friend. She came over, and we decided to marathon through the Mad Max. I think you said we decided to marathon through a lot of sex. <laughs> a lot of anal. <laughs> she Tons. pulled out her strap on, and it was over. But we watched the Mad Max films. Nice. There we go. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I am Sean Moriarty. What? what? Do you got a suppository in, my friend? Is, is this a suppository night? Freeze. It's a Mad Max. It's a gasoline suppository. <laughs> <I> save <laughs> when the apocalypse comes. Your suppositories are becoming so popular that they're being themed with our episodes. Like yeah. <laughs> Sean Moriarty's suppositories warehouse is what I should put on a separate thing, like next to the T-shirts on Nerdonomy. Yeah. Yes. What kind of suppository would you like? <laughs> there uh, you go. A green tea one. <laughs> a green tea. Green one. tea suppositories. Pokemon suppositories. They look like the little Pokemon balls, and then when they dissolve, you can pull out a Charizard. <laughs> All right, Roxy, you are on. This this was your idea, guys. You guys, and it was a brilliant idea. Love, 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 love the Mad Max movies. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. I used to be obsessed with Mel Gibson. We're talking young Mel Gibson here. We're talking. Well, who wasn't? Let's be honest. Mel Gibson in like Hamlet. We're talking Mel Gibson in the Mad Max oh my movies. God. We're talking everything basically like pre. Well, crazy Mel Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> effectively. I mean, Braveheart Mel Gibson was so still when he was good. like ten, right? Maverick Mel Gibson is spot on. Totally. And that being said, oh, the bounty Mel Gibson. Oh. Let's face it. Conspiracy Mel Gibson, theory? Yes. Mel Gibson was the object of every woman and a lot of men. And what I love <laughs> hearing 80s. about Mel Gibson's audition story for Mad Max is apparently he went on a bender with friends the night before his audition and he came into his audition with a broken jaw. Yes. And he looked so fucked up that the casting directors and everyone loved him because they loved his look. Oh, God. And, of course, they loved him. I mean, the guy's talented, right? But the the whole story about him coming in fucked up looked... Uh, <laughs> it's pretty appealing, right? Because you look at Backtrack Tansky, right? And this guy's a rough and tumbler guy. Like, he's a... He's kind of a rock star. And he's a cop. He's a, you know, macho man. Like... He, he was pretty... 23 years old yeah. for the first film. He's a baby face. He was oh. so young. <sighs> okay. So that's the kind of backstory about that as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the Mad Max movies because the fact is 
the second one and i mean i'd want to say maybe the first one but really the second one we're talking road warrior is really lauded as one of the best movies of all time and some of the directors really famous directors including um we're talking David james cameron Fincher, um james who was, james cameron james cameron um the guy who directed all the saw movies James Wan. James Wan. He was inspired by the uh, the the one of the scenes in the first Mad Max. Where, <laughs> the end of it, yeah. With the with yeah, the, he handcuffs the... the guy and gives him a saw and says, uh, "Get your foot out of that situation." Like basically, yeah. that's that scene. Yeah, he says him. you can cut you can cut through the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. The the handcuffs made this kind of steel. Tensile you, steel. Cut, yeah, you yeah. can cut through them in ten minutes. You have five. He's like, you can cut through your leg in five. And yeah, if you're lucky. Walk, yeah, if you're lucky, and then walks so, away. So that, and then you just see the explosion so in the back. Oh, yeah, so good. So talk, good. Talk about you know cinematic inspirations, right? For a lot of people. So, and um, in that sense, the Mad Max films really uh, represented a really cool time in film history, which is known as the Australian New Wave film movement. And uh, Australia during the the 70s, as far as like the film industry is concerned, wasn't really that popular. There wasn't really much. Well, it started to get popular in the 70s. It, it was did. the basically from the 1940s through the 1960s, they were on a huge lull. Yeah. There was a significant lack of funding, not enough attention, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't good. Yeah. But then when you had uh, French and the British and the U.S. Mm-hmm. start to do their new wave films um, in you know the U.S., this is like Easy Rider, you know? This um, is the early 70s, yeah. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is where... You know, it's these are younger filmmakers. These are people who are not following the same rules. Right. And are, Independent film, essentially. Yeah, and they're yeah. getting and they're getting brash. Yeah. And so, and then Australia hit that stride too. They're like, let's oh, do yeah. this, and they and it helped that they had um, a brand new film school that was just releasing its first set of graduates. That's badass. Um, and they had uh, a couple of acts like in the early seventies that had um, guaranteed funding. Um, usually through tax breaks and stuff like that, give, to give people a lot of incentives to to contribute to the Australian film industry. Yeah, so yeah. that's really where everything started pushing. So then, mm-hmm. by the time that it was like 1975, they had hit their stride and they had made hundreds, yeah, hundreds of movies in a very short span of time. Mm-hmm. So in the book, the 101 movies you must see before you die, the films Walkabout. Picnic at Hanging Rock, The Last Wave, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, My Brilliant Career, Mad Max, and Gallipoli are featured on that list. Yep. And we're talking about global cinema here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. those are important films. Well, Gallipoli is important because there was a lot of Australian soldiers that were in World War One. Yeah. So. Which also a Mel, Mel Gibson movie. <laughs> it is. And, he is and like, it's also being remade again in The Water Diviner nice. uh, that Russell Crowe directed. So Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So it clearly it has its influence over time so yeah absolutely so the australian new wave movement was the time between 19 the early so it was 1971 i believe is when it really started mm-hmm. and took off and then it ended about in the mid 80s yeah and um it was an interesting time for a lot of really low budget and crazy ass movies yeah and that kind of popularized this sort of what's called um it's a it's a osploitation is what they're calling it it's an ossploitation <laughs> of the australian culture yeah. And when you think of the Australian culture, I mean, you think Crocodile Dundee, you think, you know, Crikey, the or Bobby. That's a noise. Yeah. Know? You think about crocodiles and, and fucking kangaroos and really gnarly Kangaroo accents. Jack is like yeah. the epitome. <laughs> well, and, it, and 
like this is also not just the starting point for Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. like Dead Calm, which is a little bit later. That was the starting oh, point for Nicole Kidman. That's and Sam right. Neil. Well, that movie Sam is Neil so too, fucking good. Sam Neil, yeah. Yeah, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And obviously George Miller, who yeah. did, who directed Mad Max films mm-hmm. and created that whole world, he had a huge career after that. Yes, like, he did. Happy the, Feet, all those movies. Yeah, yeah, there's some really big names to come out of this movement. Yeah. And lest we forget, George Miller was also destined and yet unfortunately not destined to do a Justice League movie. Oh. Too. That almost was yeah. so fucking close to shooting. And guess where they were going to shoot right. it? Australia. <sighs> Uh, because Warner Brothers, actually 20th Century Fox has a studio there. Yeah. That's a tangent well, we have to save for when we're really Yeah, that heated. continent know, right? is so perfect for filming anything. Because, I mean, look at, you got the Mad Max movies, Desolate Wasteland Landscapes, and then you've got the Lord of the Rings movies, some of the most lush landscapes you've ever seen. That's New Zealand, to be totally fair. I said That's continent, true. dickhole. Fair. I didn't say country. But true, it's true because of what happened with these films. Think about all the films that get shot there now, right? Yeah. The Matrix movies mm-hmm. shot in Australia, and they... they they morphed Sydney a little bit so it didn't yeah. look like any kind of one major city. Yeah. Uh, Superman Returns was totally. largely shot. Metropolis was largely Sydney subbing yeah. for um, Metropolis. And then, um, I mean, 20th Century Fox is a huge fucking yeah. back lot. Yeah. And yeah. Warner Brothers has a huge back lot slash uh, movie world uh, theme park nice. in Australia. Nice. I mean, I've been to Australia and I personally adore it. It's a beautiful country. It's got a lot of rich culture and rich history. And giant bugs. And huge ass spiders. <laughs> they will fuck your shit um, up. <laughs> I, when I, I refuse to go to mainland Australia, I've only been to Tasmania. <laughs> I saw the shack where Yahoo Serious blew up uh, beer in uh, Young Einstein. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Alan. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit more real quick. Specific- <laughs> I, I, do, I do also want to point out real quick that yeah. Peter Weir also came out of this movement. <gasps> oh. Yeah, director of The Truman Show, Dead <gasps> Poets Society. Peter Didn't Weir. Didn't Weir do Dead Calm, too? No, no. De- no. Uh, Philip Noyce did Dead Calm. Yeah. Nice. And Philip yeah. Noyce, of course, did The Fugitive. Right. Aww. And the first three Jack Ryan movies. But Peter Weir did, Peter Weir did Gallipoli. Oh, that's a yeah. Yeah. good point. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, in that regard, then I just really wanted to highlight that Mad Max is a really great, you know, series of films that complemented and advocated for this this film movement that I think is grossly understated and not given much credence to because a lot of great actors, a lot of great directors, sure. writers, scream. I mean, Australians are really talented, and um, I think that pool of talent needs to be given more more of a kind of chance in Hollywood in that regard not well, just with their actors but yeah, with their like you have the Hemsworth producers. brothers god oh thank god almighty for Jackman. the day the Hemsworth brothers came into my you got, life you, you got Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman essentially you're welcome Marvel yeah um you got Kate Pierce Blanchett. Kate Blanchett yeah. who is mm-hmm. I mean, you're welcome, world. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're welcome, acting. There's world. a lot of really amazing people who've come out of Australia. Like, let's be fair. So and you know what's funny? Mel Gibson isn't even Australian. He's a New Yorker. But he moved oh, yeah. to Australia when he was a young age. He, he, he was, was like Australia, twelve, so his dad could, you know, have make sure his sons would avoid the draft for the Vietnam War. 
So his his father is actually really outspoken political. Um, con, con, I think he's a conservative. Con, he's a conservative, conservative, but he was but he's so conservative that he was actually anti the Vietnam War. I, I'm really sorry. He's also a Holocaust denier. He's uh, also a Holocaust. I'm really sorry denier. if you guys heard a bunch of clunking around. My arm almost fell off the table. Oh, your arm almost I'm fell trying, off. I'm trying to Sarah. I'm trying to fix it right now. Sarah, so you should ahead. probably go to a doctor. Yeah, right. It's turning blue, Sarah. Um, okay, so that all that to be said. I just wanted to kind of get the historical right, context out of the way. <laughs> um, and talk a little bit more about now let's the geek movies. out. Yeah. Uh, okay, can I just say, love the post-apocalyptic like punk <laughs> thing going on. S- like the thing, what? I've been. I did a little bit of research about the first Mad Max movie, mm-hmm. and that's one of the only films that is actually a pre-apocalyptic movie. They're on like the verge of the apocalypse yes. in that movie, which is unique. Uh, yeah, that we makes talked sense. about it. We so talk- it's it's on the course to failure, but hasn't yeah. completely collapsed yet. Oh, okay, yeah. that actually makes sense. What, hence why they're yeah. still diners. It's just exactly. right now they're in a gas shortage, which. That's why there's still grass. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, right? Well, so that, and that was kind of the inspiration for George Miller in creating this world. It kind of came twofold. Yeah. First part came from the gas crisis of 1973, mm-hmm. um, which was even felt here in the States. Um, and then there was also the fact that he was a doctor working in an emergency room and he saw a lot of really messed up people coming in from car accidents. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of, you know, had dabbled in some film work before, but yeah. he decided he wanted to kind of make this movie where, you know, what would happen in the gas crisis and cars are so valuable and then what kind of mangly injuries are going to happen from people getting crazy and hyper dependent on vehicles and stuff like that, you yeah. know? And there was another Where it's part. a sense of power. The car is the power. Right, right. And you know what I find interesting that there's a through line from the first film all the way to the third one with the use of media and television. Mm-hmm. Because you see a TV in the first film a lot of times. Yeah. There's actually like a television going on in the background. And there's just sort of kind of like influx of um, news reporters and sort of like, you know, entertainment. Like there's a lot of like... Uh, this kind of theme, you know, of of there being, I can't really describe it, but basically what I'm trying to say is in the third one, you notice how uh, the the children, the tribe, they have this whole kind of ritual where they have this uh, rig set up where it mm-hmm. looks like a TV yeah. box. Right. And the, the way that the leader... Um, the female, she kind of tells the story of the the tribe is mm-hmm. by holding up the yeah. the TV shaped like, like she's framed thing. yeah yeah and she's like telling the story and then and showing the pictures the through it yeah and you just see how like the evolution of the media and um, television and God like electricity even you know mm-hmm. they had to revert to a really primitive time throughout yeah. all this so right. the first Mad Max starts out really normal it feels it, it feels kind of timeless in a way well. Timeless. Besides <laughs> it being obviously a 70s, I mean, like, it's, so it's super low budget. Yeah, yeah super, for sure. Super, for super sure. low budget. But and the themes were timeless. No, but there's there's still, like, you know, there's still a diner. There's still, yeah. like, there's still police. There's, there's still broadcast news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and so that's the intro of Max, is that he is a cop. He is one of the best pursuit cops in the area. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. And he's going after Toe Cutter. Toe Cutter. But well, who does he get first? I am the Night Rider. That's right. I am a fuel injected suicide machine. Right. Um, it, that's the catalyst it, I mean, for why yeah. that gang wants to like it wants to go to war with that's the police. Right. Well, the the one thing that they did kind of set as a I mean they didn't they did a better job of saying it in the second film than in the first one, but the the gangs mm-hmm. have pretty much 
they're terrorizing the roads. Yeah. So um, the need for policemen who are good interceptors, who are good, uh, you know, basically highway patrolmen, um, becomes much more much necessary. Right. So they end up like get, tricking out these guys with like sports cars, that, you know, for police cars, yep. and they're awesome looking. And I love the fact that the cops are like wearing leathers and stuff like that. Right? They don't there's look. So they don't look like leather. cops. Well, it, actually, yeah. there's actually not that much leather in the first one. They, it was so low budget oh. that. Only leather. Max and Toe Cutter, the only ones who are actually wearing real leather. Oh, Everybody else is wearing like pleather or vinyl. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It does look kind of fake too. There's other ones look really shiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I, I like that you mentioned the punk thing because this, the style of the gang is very like late 70s, early 80s underground punk look. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, like, it's, it's practically Clockwork Orange at times. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Especially that scene on the beach. Oh yeah, when they're playing with the mannequin. Uh huh. Oh my god, oh, so for sure. Up. And that's the thing. I was like, these guys are like, are they on like fucking drugs? Because this is like right? so such an ass. They're on drug. They're on drug milk. Just <laughs> like yeah. No, it's god. definitely definitely very similar vibe. But then it really and I mean, let's just before we get into the second movie. Uh, this movie is great for so many reasons. Can I just say I love the scene like right before that one gang member is about to get like demolished by that big rig and they yeah. do the close up and his eyes bug out. Like. I know. It was so awesome. <laughs> was so I think that he reused that too in the second movie, didn't he? Or he used something similar. I think George Miller really likes that oh. eye bug out effect. God, yeah. I mean, there's so many moments where you have that head on collision moment, right? Yeah. And you know, you know Max is going to mow them over. Right. And you just see the, the realization on their mm-hmm. face that they're, they're about to die they're about to get crushed they're about to get like smashed like a bug on a windshield right like, right you know? what i what i love is that miller as a director does something that a lot of great directors do mm-hmm. is when they show violence whenever a hero someone who's good is about to be killed you never see it you only see like a suggestion of it oh. right yeah yeah no it's it's not you don't actually see that much gore or anything right. like that yeah no. it's only when the villains the people who deserve to die Ooh, are yeah. the ones where you actually see it happen. Yeah. yeah. And you see that happen uh, in the second one a lot in the, fr- the first 15 minutes, right. particularly in the first one when Max loses his wife oh. and baby child. Yeah. Right? So like, so that's what happens, right? So Max is out trying to pursue this gang and the gang is- Well, he's actually, he's out trying to escape that's right. well, the, the, the cop life, but he, his wife runs into a gang and then the gang decides to- yeah make a vendetta out of trying uh, to find they out. basically decided to say fuck this lifestyle let's go on vacation right. right well they well so they're trying to get away because the gang's harassing her mm-hmm. and right. so he steals her away they go hide he quits the force mm-hmm. um and then they just keep pursuing and he finally says you know fuck it let's try and try and get back because yeah. they've they've so sad. She's like running yeah. down the road with the baby, and they Ugh. all go after her. And the old woman's trying to shoot him. Oh and god, the woman so... with the gun. Oh, that was I know. Wait a second, it's what? the Patriot. <laughs> no, oh, dude, he I'm retires ta- and then comes back when his family dies. Are you kidding me? This is like the fucking prequel to Lethal Weapon. This is prequel oh, to yeah. Biggs. Like it his character, the character setup in this is <laughs> is like totally appropriate for whatever his backstory it's, is for Lethal Weapon. It like fits. It's Every smoking. character kind of, kind of, plays. Exactly, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Is like he's kind of the crazy cop. Like. Yep. <laughs> and he's done it again. He did it in Heart of Darkness. Yeah. The only time he really didn't do it was like fucking like what, what we want. <laughs> Ma- no. 
<laughs> that too. Oh, but yeah. also like Maverick. Yeah, yeah. Maverick yeah. was just him yeah. having fun. You sure, know? sure. That's a great much. movie though. Yeah, what was the one where he played like the, the savant? Like he was like a childlike savant and he was like the love interest of this older Cons- lady. Uh, I don't remember that one. It was one of his like first movies. I remember Conspiracy Theory where he was a little crazy and kind of a savant type thing, but with Julia Roberts. he was like young. This is before Mad Max too. Trust me, you guys, I was obsessed with Mel Gibson. Clearly. Yeah, Roxy was so obsessed with Mel Gibson that she could even flick the bean to the man without a face. <laughs> you know what? Oh, that's right. And you know uh, what? Forever Young, too, yeah. right? Yeah. So Okay, so he hasn't played the, the tortured cop all the time. Uh, not all the time, but, but sometimes. frequently. Yeah. When the money, when the paychecks are running low, yeah. he goes well, back the way he knows You know, best. he's got the same face that he does in a lot of these moments where he's like, whenever he's in a fight scene, like, there's that there's that face that he makes oh, when he so thinks... Gorgeous. It's this face. Yeah, where his exactly. eyes just go like, he just twists exactly, you're like, like, oh shit, he's gonna go nuclear. Exactly, like you think he's about to, like, he feels like he's about to lose the upper hand unless he does something crazy right mm-hmm. now. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it gives that same look. It's really funny. Um, but oh, so he loses man. his wife, he kicks ass, and then he just drives off into the sunset with his interceptor. And then that's where we get into the second one, which the second movie is by far the best of the trilogy. Yeah. No question. Oh, yeah. It's, no question. It is what Miller wanted to do with the first one. Yes. But instead of just trying to remake it, I'm looking at you, Evil Dead 2, um, <laughs> he just he made a continuation. And he gave a really good, and he gave much more of a setup to the apocalyptic world that we're in now. Um and and gave a, a much better context for what's happening. Yeah, well, the first yeah. five minutes is exactly. a montage that explains yeah. it. And that's what I'm saying. You yeah. did a better yeah. job as opposed yeah. to where yeah. you're just kind of like wondering what, where the fuck are we? Yeah. What's happening? There's a gas shortage. What? And yeah, also, exactly. In the same way, sadly, also kind of negates the reason for you to even see the first one because yeah. they cut all the major scenes out of the first one into the first five. Well, minutes it's so that actually is one. on purpose though because the first movie wasn't popular in the states. Nope. Right. And so when the second one came out, they wanted it to be more popular. Yeah. That's why it wasn't Mad Max Two. It was just well, yeah. That was Warrior. the key difference. I believe. I could be wrong here, but the first one was made independently in Australia and then acquired by MGM. Yeah. And then Warner Brothers had yeah. gotten the rights to the second one, so Warner Brothers just threw some more money at them. Right. And uh, was able to up the production value and release it in the States. Yeah. Right. yeah. And this is where we really get the the full apocalypse leather going. This is the oh, assless yeah. chaps. This is the assless and the furs. Yeah, and the oh my God. And the dude with the mohawk. <sighs> yeah. Dude, who became he pulls a the arrow out of his arm. Uh-huh. Yeah, who who was so uh, iconic in that role that they put him in weird science in almost yeah. the exact same outfit as part <laughs> of the game. Yeah. It took him and the dude from The Hills Have Eyes, and they were like, this is what people know as crazy <laughs> fucked up people. Right, exactly, exactly. Right. Oh and God. so in this movie, um, Max finds himself befri- befriending a gyro, gyro captain. captain. Uh, Bruce Spence, you guys. Bruce Spence is a cutie. Um, And also, uh, that guy, Bruce Spence, was uh, a poacher in Ace Ventura 2. That's right. That's right. (gasps) Yep. Silverback. Big one. Uh Yep. It was like driving me crazy because I was like, where have I seen him before? (laughs) I went and I was like, holy shit, Ace Ventura (laughs) 2! And then everybody's favorite feral kid pops out of nowhere with his fucking steel boomerang. Dude, this kid. Who speaks in grunts. Ah! 
this kid mullet. The little happy birthday, and yet yeah. somehow is the narrator of the film. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he gained language later. Yeah. I guess. I yeah. thought he was the son of the gyro captain in the third one. I no, think he, they look a lot no, alike. They I was like, oh my yeah. god, he learned to speak. Yeah, it <laughs> but was. They didn't. It yeah. was a little uh, that mullet man. Oh, I just intense. that was a glorious Dude. piece of hair. <laughs> one of my favorite moments in the whole movie was when he had to go on the roof, the the hood of the truck while the truck right. is going forward. When he had to get the last. The last oh, the shell. Yeah, yeah. The last shell, right? Uh-huh. And then the fucking Mohawk crazy guy just jumps out and like grabs him. They're just like screaming at each other as they're barreling down the I highway. Know. It was I great. Mean, the oh, way that, it was insane. I mean, the way that scene was shot, I was just like, did they just really put the, the fucking kid out there in the car? I didn't see Because it looked so I know, real. I know. So fucking crazy. So in this movie, uh, Mad Max, uh, he befriends a gyro captain, winds up kind of getting... It wrapped up with these uh, settlers because he found some mm-hmm. person who's supposed to give him gas and um, because they've got a refinery. They basically they are living drilling. in a barricaded oil refinery. And it's yeah. like the last uh, source of gasoline in the entire like outback region that they're all yes. kind of trapped in because the weather is so horrible mm-hmm. and so desolate yeah. that all they can really depend on. And so this poor... like area with all these settlers they're all dressed really nicely by the way i'm loving the style in this film uh, it yeah had a very um yeah masters of the universe didn't meets olivia newton john oh yeah meets who oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly no it was it yeah. was supreme. i just realized we could we could make a lot of money here <laughs> okay new ads oh. new ads on tv oh that are showing the landscapes of road warrior and showing the cars racing around and then you show Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's like, "Come to California. We have no water." <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I love the warrior women too. That yeah. were in this. They're just like you know, high waist. Oh yeah. They're, they're, oh yeah. They're freaking like bikini waistbands. It's so good. Hair I, their I gotta say though, I was watching this one. It's like you you see exactly what Waterworld was trying to do. I know. Right? It oh, was Waterworld is such a bullshit like it was just negative opposite. of that movie. <laughs> it's like, well, they're covering desert. You know what we're going to do? We're going to cover them with fucking Although, water. <laughs> okay, I'm, I will point this out, though, because Waterworld may now be influencing Fury Road because I saw in the preview for Fury Road them holding down Max and tattooing some shit on his back. Ooh. And that girl had the map on her back. And so I'm like, what are... <gasps> Is it like, a tattoo? I thought they were branding people in that. It's maybe. A brand, I okay, maybe. I don't know. I saw. I saw like l- like lettering. Anyway, and so mm. I was just like, well, time will tell. That we being will find said, out. Though the fact is, we're in this poor little you know section of the world, and it's getting crowded and circled and circumvented by this the know, marauders. This yeah, these marauders and this. Bigger than life biker gang from like the first movie, yeah. but like bigger, badder, and more. And like way worse. Uh, they have Lord Humongous. And the Lord Humongous comes through with Just this fucking leather away. ass, like. He basically looks Ugh. like if Jason Voorhees was Leather Daddy. Yeah, That's or like yeah. Bane yeah. from the old Batman movie. Was Can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Bane. Sean, I don't question. see... Where are these motherfuckers getting all the protein to get as ripped as they are? <laughs> well, I mean, there was a dog, and some of them are wearing yeah. furs, so... And Max does eat dog, dog food meat. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of dog, dog-eat-dog world kind of yeah. imagery here. Um, but just, yeah. I, I'm telling you, though, Lord Humongous's little speech... Oh, my God. Like outside say? the wall, just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> just walk away. It's walk away. So, so the Ayatollah of rock and roller. <laughs> you know what's God. fucking hilarious? Our buddy Dan, who was on Nerds on History once, his uh, his little ads he made when he was on KSJS as the Lazarus Man 
was he had that clip in there where he referred to himself as the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Wow, very clever. Nice. <laughs> nice. But you make, made you wonder, you know, what's yeah. behind the mask? Mm. Yeah. Well, and so, and then where Mad... Pulsating veins, apparently, because yeah. they have a close-up of that. Right. They show the back of his head, and it's like no hair, weird, no. fucked up no, skin there's, and No, there's veins. like hair, but like little patches and long, yeah. so clearly he patches. was from the fallout. Yeah, like he really got close creepy. to the fallout or whatever. Yeah. But so in this in this story, this is where this is totally a Western. The first movie mm-hmm. was totally a cop movie. Mm-hmm. This yeah. one is absolutely a Western where oh, yeah. the outlaw kind of rolls in and has to save the town. Ooh. Right. And <laughs> and he does. Yeah. And he does. There's an amazing car chase scene mm-hmm. with with this giant tanker that the, you know, bikers are totally attacking because they, you know, think it's full of oil and then spoilers. They flip the tanker at the end. They finally get away from all the bikers. They're all destroyed. It's full of sand Mm -mm. because all of the, uh, on the old bait and switch, (laughs) all the, all the uh, gas is on the buses with the settlers who are going to a different location. Genius. The bus, which also doubled as the gate for the, uh, wasn't that such a cool character or not character design, but cool cool set design. design Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, the, the set and the look and feel of this movie Mm -hmm. Is is just remarkable. Superior, yeah, this man. is this is what we think of when we think of dystopias now. Yeah, it's true, and I love that you call out Waterworld as a cheap imitation because yeah. I actually <laughs> always referred to Waterworld. <laughs> Sean remember, remembers this. Wait, as... no, I just love that you said cheap imitation because at the time it was like the most expensive movie ever made. It cost <laughs> like two hundred million dollars. That's true. true. Set it's... sank. <laughs> but it's wow. it's cheap in storytelling, is what I mean. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, it's because it's effectively the same story. Right. And that's why I always called the movie the fucking Mad Max Water Show Spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> pretty that's pretty much what it was. Can we talk about some of the awards that Mad Max Two got because yeah. of its legacy? I mean, it, it gained recognition beat for the um saturn award for best international film it got nominations for director writing costume design um and then uh, mel gibson and bruce spence got nods for best actor and supporting actor and this is from the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films um pl- uh, folks and then george miller it's a very big in the genre world had war had won a couple awards um and then let's see it says it says the film was also recognized by the australian film institute winning awards for best direction costume design editing production design and sound and it has a huge legacy 100 percent rating on rotten tomatoes i mean this film it just ranks on top of all like all of them yeah you know and then here comes beyond thunderdome Oh, <laughs> beyond Thunderdome. Our expectations of a hero. Yeah, exactly. We're like it's the '80s. Let's fucking do this. It's like let's get Tina Turner. We need some more leather. Yeah, they were like, hey, wait a second. Didn't they put? Uh... Oh wait, no. Never mind. Start. Sorry, I was gonna say something. I realized. I actually, I actually feel like it's less leather and more furs. Ooh, good point. It's you know, true. I really felt like George Miller got to have a lot of fun in Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. And you really see that when you enter Barter Town and you see Auntie's kind of, like, what her domicile looks like as uh-huh. compared to the rest of oh, the yeah. town and yeah. how there's this really disparity between, you know, the wealthy and the But workers. she's supposed and... to be... This is... They thought a lot about the character development for Auntie oh, Entity. sure. Yeah, they, they really wanted somebody who was going to be... going to present herself... With poise, with intelligence. Did they make this for her too? Like this was. Oh, this car- they ha- they well had they wrote this mind. character with her in mind. Yeah. yeah, they didn't even know if they were going to be able to get her, but they wanted yeah. her. So Question. Cool. Yeah. Did they intentionally or unintentionally make her into a racial stereotype by calling her auntie? Ooh, 
Well, if you look at the the structure of like the the town itself, the fact is she wasn't the real leader of Barter Town. Yeah, Master Blaster kind of claimed fame to be the ruler of Barter Town. So if anything, (laughs) Auntie is kind of a term of endearment in a way. Yeah, she's the one that people could trust. But she's but she's definitely trying. That's the thing. She is supposed to be the benevolent alternative type Mm -hmm. thing, and she has she presents herself. As a good person, these people. That's yeah. why they, because she she's helping write the laws. She's a very powerful person. She created the Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk Which about let, power. let's talk about the fucking Thunderdome. Thunderdome. Oh, yeah. It's Cage. Two men enter. Two men enter. One, One man, man leaves. leaves. And oh, they there are like, no rules. And the fact that they are just effectively <laughs> flinging themselves <laughs> around in this cage. Like they're like bungee jumping off each other. It's it was amazing. So awesome. It's amazing. So fucking and great. Very inspirational for me. Oh, how so? Oh, how so, Sarah? Do tell. Well, so this is my plan for my future. Cause <laughs> oh, God. We all know. I, remember, I know what you're talking about now. No, this we all saw it. This day has come. This yes, is this is the day that I'm presenting it to the world. Yes. Get ready, guys. So we all know that one of my guilty pleasures movies is Xanadu. Oh, shit. Yes. yes and I do. really, really love these the Mad Max trilogy and this post-apocalypse dystopia thing. Mm-hmm. I really, really love fighting to the death. I really, really enjoy trial by combat. And so my plan is to actually open what I call Xanadome. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love. It's going to be a golden cage. Oh, golden, you say? It's it's golden, and there's going to be a disco ball. (laughs) And it's going to be two groovy skaters enter, one man leaves. One man skates out. Instead of flinging themselves around a cage, they're going to be skating around the cage. (laughs) Donna Summer will be playing, and I will be sitting on a nice, tacky, golden throne watching it all happen. I will be the auntie in this situation. Yes! This yes. is this is my my idea for my underground fighting cage match. I I have many gripes with Thunderdome, even though there's a lot of cool parts, and I liked it a lot more when I was a kid. But why the fuck in this movie do you get like one of the best scenes? Like what I think may be one of the climaxes is that Thunderdome scene, which is 45 minutes into the movie, and then it kind of like just winds down for a while until the end. It takes a long detour. Yeah, there was a lot, but at the same time, they had to really spend a lot of quality time introducing us to the kids, and I think the yeah. kids were the really the heart of this movie. You sure, know? they, they were the to future. Tomorrowland. Yeah, exactly. They had to go to Tomorrowland. I, mean, I loved their very charming, slang-filled Australian speak. I mean, nice? yeah, it was cool. It did feel very like Neverland-ish. Lost oh boys. no, seriously, Lost I was expecting the kid to just mm-hmm. go up to him and be like. There you are, Max. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bangerang! You know what I wish I had? I wish I had a car. Just like, <laughs> like you. yours. Just like yours. So that's so I have a I'll I'll be honest, the only movie of the films I like is The Road Warrior. Yeah. I'm not really a fan. I mean the first one is okay. It's got some good elements to it. Third one, I'm really not a fan of. No, why not? No, a couple reasons. <laughs> I mean, just mostly it's the inconsistencies. Sure. And the second act plot derailment of going to Tomorrow Tomorrowland, like, mm-hmm. I, I get maybe where they were trying to go with it. That airplane oh. shot was really cool, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yes, fair. Um, they also have this giant plot hole that they don't have gas, everything runs on methane, and yet all of a sudden in the third act, 
everyone's got a fucking car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the cars did kind of come out of nowhere because yeah. we didn't have them as... And then one more. Yeah. Jedediah. Hey, those cars run on the blood of all the children. <laughs> okay, well, okay, oh that's okay, fucking fine. disturbing. Jedediah! So, okay, continue your point. Here's the thing. First off, underused in the second film. Yeah. Second of all, Max acts like he doesn't know him in the third movie. Huh. And yet he clearly recognizes is it? I don't Max. Know if, so I don't know if it's the same character. Because but it is. No, it's in the but, script it says Jed- Jedediah. Okay, but in, but in the second movie, he's only called the gyro captain. Mm. He was introduced in the second movie, and their relationship was not so much of a friendship as it was a kind of survival. Method. And even yeah, then, and, and in, at the end of the it, second movie, the the kid did say the feral kid did say we never saw him again. Yes, exactly. yeah. And in the beginning of Thunderdome, isn't Max like he's got super long hair? He might have yep. just been so fucked in the head that he doesn't really remember. He didn't remember him. And you saw in the third one, there's a moment of recognition. When they go into the gyro captain's home, they follow the sun underground, right? And they look at each other and he goes, you! And he goes, you! And I'll deal with you later, that kind of thing, right? Well, and then it's they... because they had their... But they had a conflict in the beginning yeah, of the film. Yeah, that's why he says you. It's the man who stole his, his wagon. No, no, no. I don't think the gyro captain recognized Max when he stole there's his a, There's vehicle. a shot when he's entering in Bartertown where he catches him and recognizes him. Oh, that's him. right. The Bartertown moment. Yeah. Yes. But I don't I don't know. I don't, there's a part of me that feels like when he originally stole Max's Sean, can we, transportation module, it, he didn't know. Sean, can we tweet? Can we just like tweet George Miller and say, <laughs> I don't even know if he's on Twitter. Let's just tweet him anyway. Uh, <laughs> is, it, hey, is he supposed to be the same character in both yeah, films? Yeah, because he's called Gyro Captain in the first one, and then in the second one he's not called that. But let's but be honest, it's a really cool character. He is a cool character. I am consulting um, IMDb. Okay. I also feel <laughs> Hold like... Hold on, I'm tweeting. Oh, God. Hold on. Um, I also think another major plot hole is only some of the kids went with Max to Bartertown and yeah. then escaped away to Sydney, which they it, then populate, populated as their own Tomorrow Morrowland. It did get kind of confusing. So what happened to the rest of the kids? Mm, they got swallowed up in the sand dunes. I don't know. Like, really, what did they... I don't think they had enough to go back to go get those kids. They just kind of went off... And left. Them. I can only assume. I mean, and getting also, through the desert was really treacherous. And also, you know, these kids have been passing down the story, you yeah. know, of the plane and all this other stuff yeah. for about fifteen to twenty years. Right. At this so point. the because the first one happened, and then five years later, the second one happened, mm-hmm. then fifteen years later, the third one happened. Mm-hmm. So these kids have been here for a long time, and they're all very, very young. Made you wonder. I agree. so well. There like, is one woman there, and there is a kid of. Well, so she has an age, so yeah. yeah you well, and, and Savannah was pregnant, and you know had her baby and stuff. But I'm just like, you know, the, these kids are definitely. There's a lot of kids that were younger than 15, so I'm wondering if like those uh, the original kid survivors mm. all had to copulate when they were teenagers, had all these other kids, and then most of them died off. Ah, uh, you said copulate. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I like that word. Do you think that Savannah and Slake, the two oldest kind of leaders of the the, the kids group, just probably just did a, a ton and it was all their kids i mean it was probably some like blue lagoon oh, flowers yeah. flowers in the attic kind of shit going on there oh <laughs> brooke shields titties <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie was missing brooke shields <laughs> right so 
Yeah, I, I mean, the third one, it really is kind of a sentimental tale and it really kind of like right. into a hero's journey. But it's more, it's more again, the the adventure and the yeah. legend. So yeah. the first one's a comic movie, the second one's a Western. This one's mm-hmm. just more of an adventure tale. Yeah, this and one so, is where he was really trying to expand this the yeah. idea and be like, this is how deep the... Re-. It's kind of like what happened with George Lucas with the original trilogy. And he's like, let's go back and throw so much shit at people. Yeah. So then what do you guys think the, the fourth one's going to be? We're talking about Fury Road. Oh my god, it so, looks so dope! I know, Doesn't it looks it look so look good. Amazing? So I think having Charlize there and having all these other female characters, mm-hmm. they're actually laying this out that this might be a, a really strong feminist movie. Oh, yeah. Charlize Theron, didn't, Sean, didn't you say that Charlize Theron's name in this film is going to be Furiosa? Yeah, it's Furiosa, Furiosa and she, she actually, I think has a whole bunch of what I think maybe prostitutes, all the girls that Something they have like that, that, are, yeah. that they're claiming they are yeah. not things, they're not property. Right. So no. so yeah. her name's Furiosa, and then the second Mad Max, or the sequel to this new Mad Max mm-hmm. that's coming out, so it would be Mad Max 5, mm-hmm. it's already written, and the title, the working title on it right now is Mad Max Furiosa. So it's going to be all about so her. So I think it might be about her. So that's like awesome. I'm very, very interested in where they're going with this. Love it. But... Getting so, you know, getting just more like strong female mm-hmm. character, like badass female characters. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say strong female, but just badass female characters, mm-hmm. and uh, and crazy balls explosion and more mm-hmm. car action, which is obviously what the third one was really lacking. Dude. It was not enough car action throughout the whole thing. So they're combining the desert element that was yeah. in the third one really hard mm-hmm. with the car action that yeah. was in the second one, and it's much Speaking- more orange tone instead of white tone. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they wanted to film that in Australia really bad, and they were trying to do it like in 2012, but they've been getting so much uncharacteristic rain there that they ended up having to move the shoot to Africa. Really? Yep. Yeah, they shot it in Africa. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, Brian? So apparently it is contentious across the internet. There's debates of whether Gyro Captain and Jedediah are in fact the same character. No shit. Or not. However, this is granted, this is from a forum, but um, let me just open up and read what it says, okay? Please. Miller started with the idea that Jedediah would have been a different character. I read the script, and the script seems pretty clear on the point. Jedediah was supposed to be a different character. Uh Then, fortunately, Spence agreed to play the role, and Miller's beautiful mind changed on the same essay of the character, and he's now Gyro only 15 years later. Ooh, so what's happened to their relationship between that time? Right. Know? Maybe they just, well, he, maybe, honestly, he went off with those all those other settlers who said they never saw him again. Like, mm. the feral kid never saw Max again. Right. So maybe he moved on, and it's been so long. I'm sorry, there's a lot of people I saw yeah. 15 years ago. I don't fucking remember and, them. And if 15 I saw years them now. is long enough for the kid to become of age and take over the tribe, That's as true. he said he would do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the- sir, I wanted to kind of go back to your point about strong female characters. I can't yep. help but think about the wife, Jenny. In the first film. Jess? Jess, sorry. Yeah, Jess. Do you feel like she really held her own as a strong female character in a She film? was definitely a victim. Mm. But, but Ultimately. Ulti- but because she was being harassed by... But I think I think she definitely, like, as much as one can, yeah. you know, she definitely tried to go out and protect her child. And then, yeah. and, you know, she had the other woman with the older woman who was mm-hmm. helping her with the fucking gun and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. Like, she... Yeah, let's fire a shotgun yeah. at the oncoming slew of gang members because that'll do something. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of, I think, unfortunately, you know, you, you got your textbook objectification when it comes yeah, to the, I, the motorcycle. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say she was a horrible character. No. 
I don't think there was enough of her to really have her be that developed. That's true. She didn't have that many lines. She didn't have that. Well, honestly, they don't have that many lines, period, in these movies. This is another really awesome thing about this trilogy is that it's very quiet. It is. There's not that much dialogue. Mm. These are small scripts, but like just really heavy with scenes. Yeah. And actually, I think Miller said he really prefers it that way. And he's doing the same thing with Fury Road, where he's like, we really wanted to compose this story through storyboards more than the dialogue. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, so for him, it's really about the visuals. What did you guys think about the fact that in the first two films, I think, unfortunately, this was pretty heavily featured. There's a lot of um, references to rape. A Mm. lot of references to the kind of rape of innocence and the rape of dignity and there's literal rape scenes happening yeah in these oh, god that, yeah. i can't i didn't remember that scene until in, in the road warrior and i was yeah. like holy f- i saw this when i was like eight years old it's and pretty, i didn't remember any of this well yeah brian stuff. we you saw it when you were eight i saw it when we were 10 and we were watching it it was a t it was like tnt or something and we were watching it at grandma and grandpa's condo oh, so it was edited out. <laughs> yeah and we were watching it and wow. i was like watching it with you and i looked at my dad i was like dad what is this this is awesome what is this? I haven't seen this before. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to wow. see that. But it's on TV, so it's okay. I, just, I thought that was like pretty disturbing. But at the same yeah. time, it does speak to the fact that this really was a kind of exploitation film because it's such a low budget, especially the first one. Mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, um, the, the, the the whole Australian exploitation theme, right? Well, I don't think the rape part is the exploitation part. I think In the no. first movie, it really was. Well, I, I think I think it's more of what saying what would happen to society? How would society exactly degenerate? Rape. Yeah. Rape is a very visceral thing yeah. to show to people. It, it it conjures up a lot of bad feelings in anybody watching it, almost anybody yeah. except for, you know, like psychopathic serial rapists. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's a way for them to convey how bad the times are by conjuring up those feelings in you. Yeah. yeah. And you really see that Max's own humanity is raped from him as well sure. by yeah. all the tragedy that he experiences. And it doesn't really bode well for him in any of these movies. He always ends it continuing on on his nomad journey yeah which is why i think it's perfect that they got tom hardy to play him now because he plays a tortured soul so fucking well oh yeah Mm. oh yeah is tom hardy the new mel gibson oh god please say no i don't want him to end up just all wonky and crazy i don't follow his like his personal life all that much but has he had any like debacles with the law or with like duis or (laughs) anti-semitism oh Oh, the fears does he have like a gajillion children (laughs) he does have a baby mama there we go go. i have heard the news um i have done my research i love me some tom and by research you she means the tmz app on her phone (laughs) yeah i am definitely checking out the butt shapes and the the arm shapes and the the mouth oh my god okay you know (laughs) megan oh yeah megan and i definitely have um named our man uh mr uh Tom Hardy mouth. Ah. He's got the most beautiful trout mouth. I swear to God. Yeah, he kind of does. Objectifying this man is one of my favorite pastimes. How much money would people pay for like a pay-per-view event where Tom Hardy and uh, Julia Roberts just make out for an hour? Whoa, that'd be a (laughs) lot of mouth. Trout mouth spectacular. That would be a lot of mouth. We just got to get the Mayweather people to promote it. Brian, nobody (laughs) wants to hear that noise. Nobody wants to hear that noise. Wow. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> well, that to be said, I think we've definitely gone our we've gone on our own nomadic journey through yes. the, these films and the the themes and the whatnot. And it's just we... it's a really solid trilogy. Yeah, it, it really is. is, and it's one of those ones that 
is so intertwined in in the American lexicon and, and global lexicon, Western world Truly. lexicon. Uh, that like you know there was a like there was a fucking Rugrats episode, <laughs> the sky is falling episode, <laughs> where the Rugrats are going off into the sunset and like is it Chucky a gyro captain? Chucky's the gyro captain. <laughs> He's That's dressed awesome. like him and everything, and they're all like running on their own little post apocalyptic vehicles. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And it's then there's great, the South Park uh, episode where all the cops roll up yep. just like uh, Lord Humongous in uh-huh. Road Warrior and they do the, uh, just, just walk, walk away. away. Yeah. <laughs> just walk away. You know what? If anyone loves any kind of vehicular war movie, like, you know, Fast and Furious, that kind of shit. Vehicular really war? A, yeah, that's what I like to call it. Fast it's, and it's Furious a, is vehicular war? I mean, Fast and Furious 7 was definitely vehicular war. I was going to say, that's that. how Paul, Paul, Paul Walker's life was vehicular war, apparently, but... Well. That that aside. <laughs> Awkward. Um, that being said, I think Mad Max really kind of set the stage and set the tone for those kinds of movies. You don't really see much yeah. movies like yeah. those, like uh, how how they did it. Yeah, I think true. they really... George Miller really set a standard in his filmmaking style. Yeah, I mean, because the only other car movie in the desert up to this point was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which Dude, is a different kind eyebrows? of vehicular oh. war movie. <laughs> Dude, I love that movie. <laughs> Another good Ozploitation Oz, Oz film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Did you guys have anything else to add? Or no. I, I, I have a theory. Road? What's your theory? Okay. I have a theory. But based on what I saw in the newest trailer for uh, Fury Road, I saw this huge waterfall. That looked like an epic scene, and I'm wondering whether or not they're moving from gasoline to like water shortage kind of thing, and like like oh, I heard, I heard something about a water shortage in the in the preview that I saw, so which is Ooh. so fucking topical. Yeah. It's perfect. Up the ante, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll all figure. We'll all find out on May fifteenth. So. Absolutely. We'll see. Uh, right. This episode will drop slightly yeah. after. All right, so the... you will have found out after we will May know. 15th. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know how we feel so about that. So if I was right, then guess who's got the precogs now? <laughs> I'm rubbing my man breasts. <laughs> we were wondering if, if guys can have precognitive pecs. Is this possible? Well, guys men, can have, men breast have breasts. Mm-hmm. Men have breasts. Those things yeah. will actually dispense milk if you try hard. Don't yep. don't don't you worry. Brian and I both understand that men have breasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I was told I was at risk. Don't worry. Oh my yeah. god, really? So, well, just because you know, with guys, you actually they they do want you to like get tested, yeah, or yeah, just to do guys. the same self test that women do, like mm-hmm, just to check. Mm-hmm. No, do it with nuts, male too. breast cancer is a real thing, and how yeah. are we talking about that right now? I don't know. Oh, okay, uh, Thank let's you, get Sean. to feedback, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Listener feedback. Uh, we actually just got one hot off the press uh, from Jacob. <laughs> the subject is an apology of sorts. Dear Nerds on Film, I would like to apologize for my email that you read on the Dress to the Nines episode. Oh, I missed... this is a long time ago. Yeah. I missed that episode and listened to it for the first time tonight. I realize now it sounded very mean. I don't remember what that and one that was. And that is not my name at all. Right. So um, let's pause for a second. Not actually the pause of recording, but let's let's go back here and turn the wheels of our memories and see if we can remember which feedback this was. I got it. Okay. Okay. So this is what he. This is the part of the email that Jake said that he is apologizing for. I don't know how to say this in any other way, but I'm starting to get a little fed up with your guys' ignorance when it comes to conservative slash conservatism. Ah. 
Me, personally, I'm a conservative and have grown up in a conservative household in the lower middle class. I think that what you guys claim to hate about the vast majority of conservatives is simply the vocal minority. To borrow a phrase from Richard Nixon, the silent majority also dislikes those people because they make the rest of them look bad. That's basically what he's apologizing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember this. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> we do appreciate the apology. You know, uh, it's easy to forget that there's a human being on the other side of uh, what you're writing. So thank you for recognizing that. I don't um, see humans. I see piles of meat with eyes, and if they disagree with me, let me meat puppets. Let me let me continue. All meat puppets. Let me continue with what he said. I just wanted to point out that many people's political perspective of the other side of the airplane comes from the popular media, and many people never take the time to form their own opinion. I would like to thank Sean, Sean, because he doesn't know how your name is spelled. He'd spelled it both ways. S e a n. Yes, the Irish spelling. Um, for his wonderful reply to my email, and he is right. We all have the right to voice our own opinions, comments, and concerns. As a French ph philosophical writer once said, uh, and he's probably going to mangle, mangle this next quote, according to him, uh, I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death to allow you to say it. I think we can all agree with that. And to say... my combat! <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> And to Sarah, I would like to say that at least you have an opinion. Oh, do I? A stand in something, stand for in something you believe in. I cannot tell you how many times in my honors government high school class I get infuriated by my classmates' lack of concern or apathy about our government. I have gone on angry, very loud ranks, standing at my desk about how republics become dictatorships and plutocracies. Well done, sir. Uh... Because the people say it's too hard, too difficult to get informed, and they hand over power to the one or the few. So to Sarah, thank you for expressing how you really feel, and have you have no idea how uh, I appreciate your concern. However misplaced they may be, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, <laughs> for our American system. He put our in capitals. Yes. So feel free to read this or not. <laughs> too late for that one. We decided to read it. Uh, but truly enjoy your podcasts and eagerly anticipate the next episode. I'm not quitting anytime soon. P.S. Brian. I like how you checked for Sean's spelling, but never checked for my spelling oh, of the Whatever, name. Brian. Get over it. Just over throwing it. that in there. Uh, if you... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian. Constantly pissed at what I get that you don't. <laughs> like pussy and respect. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Shit. I'm kidding. That's from a movie. <laughs> Brian, if you really feel it's necessary to replace my first name with Jake, then I must tell you why my original unshortened name is such. My parents are big John Wayne fans, and they named me after uh, Big Jake. My old sister is named after the sons of Katie Elder. My wow. younger siblings are named after saints because most of my family converted to Catholicism in the interim eight years between me and my younger sister. Oh, wow. Wow crazy all right uh jake i really do actually appreciate your email it's very very I kind love of you. very email. gracious thank you yeah that was really good and uh, honestly i'm i am with you as long as you as long as you care about something you're for the most part good in my book there's certain certain topics that will rub me the wrong way obviously but but i do definitely really appreciate that you're so passionate to to stand up to people as well so good on nice. you bud well done um and then we have a <laughs> really really long email from jill my dear dear friend jill your bff jill who um you know she wanted to be there for the matrix episode she it was her idea to do it and <laughs> and we called it out we're think? like 
She wanted to be on the episode, but nah, whatever. I know. I'm yeah, an ass. We kind of um, And she gave me a, <laughs> a very long response. Um, really? Started yeah. out with, you fucking cunt. No. It's, no it's, it's, <laughs> listen, bitch. No, she, well, she actually had texted me and she's like, I can't believe you did the episode. It was really, I felt really bad. Aww. And then she was trying to convince me to do a Twilight episode, which I'm putting my foot down, Jill. I'm not going to do Whoa. a Twilight episode, okay? I'm not going to be, be there okay either. If that. Brian, Roxy, and her want to do it, that's fine. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I won't be there. It for would it. depend on the angle. Okay, exactly. It would depend on the angle. If we, we want to talk about like the, the importance of vampire movies, it's, it's a thing about young adult film oh, and all that YA stuff. fiction. Yeah, huh? yeah. Okay, so. Oh, sweet. Anyway, she just says, you. Dear Nerds, The Matrix. So many things. Oh, God. Um, I will jump into the core of it. Everyone wants the trilogy to be awesome because the first movie is awesome. On the surface, it has all the same awesome elements, and yet everyone defending the later movies has to concede that there are indeed boring bits. Mm. The argument I put forth is that the screenwriting is to blame. This is also precisely the reason why it is so infuriating because we have indisputable evidence in the first movie that the creators know how to write a fantastic screenplay. To the point that they play with known screenwriting rules is an interesting in an interesting way, which would suggest they didn't accidentally stumble onto a magical screenplay the first time. Then she gives a lot of examples. Um, so I just wanted to kind of read her thesis of her argument. So that was her her thing there. Nice. So well, she, but she argument. did. Uh, Jill, I know I cannot do service to your full full opinion right now because we're running long. So. I think we've got we've got one more that is going to be pertinent because it's going to affect our uh episodes for next month mm -hmm. which is from jazz uh sergio leone and spaghetti western is what <gasps> she says yeah. uh bonjour gang of nerds on film hello they're, they're, actually i don't think hello. jazz is actually from <laughs> Comment tout oh no, so he's from montreal so it's uh where is my French. fucking poutine man eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh I've been listening and catching on your podcast for two months now, and I have to admit that you are now the best part of my workouts. What? Oh, shit. What? Work I, it, work I it. I like to hear that girls listen to me while they sweat. I think, it's, I think this is a guy, dude. I think it's a guy. Jass. I hope your bicep I like curls. to hear that hot dudes listen to me while <laughs> and they sweat. And your squat. I like to hear about hot gender neutral people sweating. <laughs> your I like workouts. to hear about hermaphrodites while they sweat. <laughs> and your cardio. I hope it's all going well, according to the sound of my voice. <laughs> well, I like, I right, like your black right, voice, right. too. Just keep living. L-I-B-I-N. Uh, you know what I love about Han Solo? He keeps getting older. Chewbacca stays the same age. <laughs> Hashtag alligator fuckhouse. We got ourselves here an alligator fuckhouse. Um, I... <laughs> I only laugh really hard at things that I started. I'm terribly yep. upset. Um, I'm sorry. Anyway, he sweating. He continues, I put you on while I jog and can't help but stupidly smile, laugh to Sean's comments, Oh yeah. and participate to your discussion out loud. Honestly, I'm quite a sight to passerby. <laughs> I would like You're to propose... my own heart, please. Yes, indeed. I would like to propose... The spaghetti western genre as a subject for your next podcast. Hell yeah! I am talking about the many masterpieces of Sergio Leone, such as A Fistful Ooh. of Dollars, The Good, Ooh. The Bad, and The Ugly, and my favorite, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes! Oh, yes. Also, if you are to approach the subject of spaghetti western, you have to talk about the excellent soundtracks of Ennio Morricone. Mm -hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly, sir. 
The Ecstasy of Gold is one of the finest pieces of music that has graced the screen. So good. So good that Metallica plays that at the beginning of every one of their live shows. Indeed. (laughs) And did it for SNM, and it was unbelievable. Nice. Uh, Thank you guys for the great work. Big fan of Sean and your respective Great White North Roxy. Woo! Or representative of the Great White North Roxy. Paula Adabala, eh? Joss from Montreal. All right. Well... (laughs) Sir, ma'am, you... Person. 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 You know uh, please tell us what you are. That'd be awesome. Um, or if you what prefer... You or, or, or what you is. What, what the hell you is. What you Brian, are. Who you is. Or if you prefer not to have definition. Yeah. That is fine, wow. too. We are totally fine. Yep. Some people prefer not to identify as either. Yeah. Totally fine. We just want to know. <laughs> and if it's private, then tell us and we won't say anything. It's, so, it's Bruce yes. Jenner that sent it under a different name. Uh, yes, wow. God, gotta um, be, it sounds like a dude. It sounds like sounds, a dude. It sounds like a dude. It could be, because Jas can also be like a... a Jasper? A, it can actually be Jasper. It could be uh, Guys, short for James. all that matters to me is the same way that I have my fake Australian boyfriend and Tom, one of our other faithful listeners. I want to have my fake Quebecan or Montreal boyfriend and Jas, okay? So don't ruin the dream for me. Indeed. Thank you. Moving uh, on. So... I think we have to do it, guys. We're going to have to do Spaghetti Westerns. Oh, yeah. I'm all about it. I have this Clint Eastwood collection DVD thing where it has Fistful of Dollars, $50 just, more, and I just, the Bad and the Ugly. I can't wait to talk about how basically Leon was trying to remake Kurosawa yeah, in the West. Yeah, pretty much. And like most people don't know that, so I'd love just like to go to the parallels between mm-hmm. those. <clears throat> anyway. Steven Rosenberg from Motion Picture Meltdown has announced recently that Naked in a Pit is coming very soon. They have a theme song. Nice. I'm so fucking excited for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Check out Motion Picture Meltdown on UnitedCypher.com. And when Naked in a Pit comes out, I'm going to fucking blow a hot, steamy, sticky load everywhere. You do that, boo-boo. <laughs> burn this motherfucker down. Roxy became all of a sudden the Jersey I chick know. for a moment. I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <Hello>. boogie. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know what? Um, Sarah? Yes? Let's take a second. Why yeah. don't you talk about how our listeners can spread the word of nerd. You know what? I am really glad that you asked that. Best thing you can possibly do... OxyClean. <laughs> Sham wow. <laughs> we can't do this all day. We broke Sean. We broke Sean. <laughs> Turned off the microphone so you couldn't hear me losing my shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so if you guys want to I'm spread sorry. the word of nerd, you can tell your friends all about us. You can give us a review on iTunes. And while you happen to be digging around on the internet why don't you go ahead and um, hop over to facebook search for nerdonomy give us a like you can talk to us through there or you can also talk to us on twitter at nerdonomy or you can go to our webpage nerdonomy.com click that talk to us button we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. and while you're there check out some of our backlog content go to our merch page buy a t-shirt or if you're just feeling blatantly generous Click that damn donate button. Click it good. Yeah. And you can give us a little bit of money through there. However, we will absolutely be uh, comfortable if instead you choose to donate something to a charity uh, to support Nepal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would be also really wonderful thing to do. They do still need a lot of support over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Literally. Sorry. Good point. Okay. Um, and <laughs> so those are all the milli- millions and millions of ways to interact with us. And again, just tell your friends. I thank you, Sarah. That, it was almost that like was, that was a planned that was segment. Like, that yeah. was like four ways. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> People have choices. Uh, nerds, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. 
Nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. See ya. Ha- hashtag alligator fuckhouse. <laughs> Bye. And roll credits. Now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Who run Bartertown? Who run Bartertown? You know who. Say. Master Blaster. Say loud. Master Blaster. Master Blaster what? Master Blaster runs Bartertown. Louder. Master Blaster runs Barter Town! Lift embargo. <laughs> <laughs>